tracked down by Van Vliet. Fred behind the back in traffic. Oh, it's Fred's time. He's got 23. Come on. First pitch swinging, and he crushes it. Deep left center field, it's hit a mile. Guerrero with a home run, his third on the season, and the Blue Jays are within two. David plays it down the line, look out that ball stay and Davies is on it. Davies takes it away, 2v1. Davies at Buchanan, Alfonso Davies keeps it himself. Hello everyone. Thank you back. Thank you for joining us again for another episode of the 13th Man Sports Podcast. It is Shane alongside Frankie. As always, we are here to talk things, everything about sports. Uh, it was a very busy day in the sports world. The NFL season uh, finished off this past Sunday. The CFL is getting ramped up for the free uh, their free agency that starts February 8th. You have MLB finally talking. You have OHL deadline, NHL postponements. NBA of the Raptors, six uh, six wins in a row, and they're pushing up in those standings. So we have a lot to talk about, very little time. So we're going to jump right into it, Frankie, and talk about the CFL and what a busy day. And realistically, what a busy like week and a half it's been for for the CFL. Yeah, I, like I was supposed to have kind of a day off before uh, go, going back to school tomorrow. I wasn't going to write anything. And then, boom, this morning I get an email Red Blacks have signed Jacob Ruby, and I'm like, oh my god! Like, so you know, went through all the uh, the press conference and stuff today. Wrote something about it, and you know that that was uh, that's how I spent my day off by not having a day off. Yeah, I mean, I was at work all day, but I mean, I saw the the, the AC Leonard sign yep. resigning with Saskatchewan kicked it all off. Uh, he signed a two year deal the 2021 sack leader. He had 11 sacks in 11 games. So I'm not going to lie. That's pretty impressive. Uh, he's back in Saskatchewan on a two-year deal. He's also a former Red Black. Uh, and then you have the Jacob Ruby signing shortly after, which I think that's the, out of the three signings today, that's the biggest one. I think it is just because it's not a re-sign. Like it, it's a, it's a genuine free agent signing. And, you know, I think that it's an interesting one too. Like I put in the group chat this morning that, the whole reason that I wrote that article that I wrote about there being, uh, you know, valuable free agents available, that was actually started because I was like, oh, you know, Jacob Ruby's out there. Like, I think he should be able to be playing this year uh, because I think his suspension was only for last year. And then I completely forgot to include him. Like, <laughs> I wrote that whole thing. I didn't. I didn't include him. I included Derek Dennis of that list. Sir Vincent Rogers was there. Jonathan Rose was there. Uh, you know, like there, there was a lot of players and Jacob Ruby, I think should have been at the top of that list. And I forgot about him. Um, yeah. But yeah, like he was the genuine free agent signing today. Yeah. And I mean, I know a lot of people are there. There's still some people out there that are going to be like, oh, he doesn't deserve to be in the league for what he did last year. And I think both of us have agreed that, you know, he's paid his time. He's, you know, according to the reports, he has been vaccinated. He has. Um, the one thing him. I want to. The, yeah, according to him, and I mean, I'm assuming the Red Blacks did their due diligence, confirmed that he actually was versus kind of taking his word for it. I would assume that they would try to avoid anything that happened last season. And I, I think you would, 
I would expect that he have learned his lesson, right? Like, I don't, I don't think he's going to make the same mistake again. Cause like, especially when you know, you're going to get caught. It just doesn't make any sense. Like you can't get on a plane. You can't get on a train. That's probably not going to change by the time the season starts. There's like, let's be real. He, he's not likely to be lying in the situation. Yeah, obviously he signed a two year deal. So there has to be some faith that he will be able to, play out those two years but one of the quotes that he he said and you tweeted out that the way it's going right now uh it makes sense to be vaccinated playing football in canada you need to be vaxxed to play and it kind of got me thinking about what 2022 will bring you know we have there were a couple of non-vaccinated players Uh, mazzoli kind of led that charge but if you're not vaccinated you know, are teams willing to take the chance of you only being available for nine games? What's the point of that? Like, I, I just don't – I can't see teams saying, okay, we're, you're valuable enough to be signed, but you can only play half the games. Like, I don't know what football player helps a team being available for half their games. Especially as a quarterback. It doesn't make sense. As a quarterback, as a kicker, as a defensive lineman, whatever position you play, they say – availability is the best ability. And if you were signing somebody knowing that you're only going to have them for what, nine of your 18 games, what's the point? Like there's, there's no reason to sign you. I think, especially as you said, at the quarterback spot. Yeah. And I mean, obviously you can have a guy who's like, Hey, I will, I will get vaccinated before training camp. I will be fully vaxxed between like before training camp. Um, if that happens, Which, though, I wouldn't – if I'm a general manager, I'm looking at that guy and saying, okay, you get no bonus money until you show up at camp vaccinated. Yeah, I'm, and I mean – I'm I not think, giving you anything up front. Yeah, and I think that's what you're going to see. I think you're going to see players – certain players who are on that you know list of unvaccinated start signing, but there's going to be stipulations where, like, we're signing you if you do not come – if you are not vaccinated, but fully vaccinated by camp – or you will be suspended or we will cut you. Like, you know, it's one of those things that the NHL, the CFL and the CFLPA have to kind of come hard on. They can't force vaccinations, obviously, but you can do a lot to persuade them to get them. Well, just to like, you're not signing half a contract. I'm not signing half a contract, right? Like there's some good players who aren't vaccinated. And I, I think, you know, Mazzoli we've has been talked about and reported to be unvaccinated. Last we heard from James Wilder Jr., the report was he wasn't vaccinated. So, like, ultimately, if if guys like that aren't vaccinated by the time the season starts, we're going to lose some good players. That's just the unfortunate reality of it. Uh, but, like, there's not much you can do. It's not a – I don't think the CFL is necessarily saying that if you're unvaccinated, you can't play because they allowed players to do it. They just said, okay – if you're on the sidelines, you have to wear a mask, whatever. They put the guidelines in place that they could, but now it's the, the federal government saying you cannot get on a plane, you cannot get on a train, and you know that's how the CFL transports its players. So that's just the reality of it. Yeah, and I mean the big thing is though is that you know you you can't allow the East teams to allow unvaccinated players to travel via car or bus because that creates a a un or what is it? a competitive disadvantage to the East and a competitive advantage or to the West and then a competitive advantage to the East because you can get to every stadium by car in the East. So I, gonna, I, I don't know the exact rule, but I don't think players are allowed technically to drive themselves to a game. 
And I think if the trip is over a certain distance, you have to take a, 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 a train. So I think typically I'm not 100% sure on this. Typically I think the red blacks will take a bus to Montreal. Uh, but I think for the Toronto and Hamilton games, I believe they're on a train. I'm not 100% certain of that, but I believe that's how it works. Okay. I mean, that makes, that would make sense. So if that is the case, I mean, hopefully they put these things in place before the season or preseason. I, I think what we'll see, and I, I don't think the CFL will admit to it, but I think we'll see a, I think teams are going to blackball unvaccinated players. That's what oh, I think is going to happen. 100%. Whether, whether they put the rule into place or not. Yeah. GMs are going to have to to put, you know, they're going to put that into consideration when signing players. Um, but the other, the third guy in this trio of signees today, Lucky Whitehead uh, yeah. out of BC, oh. uh, according to, I think Ju- Justin Dunk reported, I believe it was Justin Dunk. Farhan Lalji uh, reported as well. If you're, I'm assuming you're talking about the value of the contract. Yeah. I can't remember who I saw first. I think I, I think saw Dunk's first, uh, but it might've been Farhan. All I saw was, I saw Dunk's tweet first over Farhan, but. One of those uh, two is always on it. Yeah, always. It's amazing, but he's uh, the highest paid receiver in the league, 200 K for, for lucky whitehead. And I mentioned in the group chat that I, that I saw people who were livid at lucky for being in the fans in the stands in the West final in Winnipeg, wearing Winnipeg gear and being like, Oh, BC shouldn't sign him. He shouldn't be on any other team. It's, you know, if he's going to cheer for Winnipeg in the off and when he's not playing, he should be in Winnipeg kind of thing. I'm glad that the the management in BC did not listen to those people and signed them. Yeah, I mean, like just just look at him. He's made like are we are we agreeing right now that Brian Burnham is expendable? Like oh, I, Brian I Burnham's going to be wearing a different jersey. I don't season. think he's going back, and I think that's just a testament to how good Lucky was last year. Uh, he brings everything. If you need him to return return kicks, he can do that. If you need him to go inside and make a big catch, he can do that. If you need him to go deep. I don't know if I'd pick anybody in the league to do it other than, you know, maybe Brandon Banks was on that same level, especially a couple of years ago. But I think Lucky does everything for you. And BC would have been, frankly, they would have been dumb not to bring him back. Yeah. And uh, according to Rick uh, DeLawey, I think that's how you pronounce his last name. My apologies if I mispronounced that. Um, around uh, 1130 this morning, he tweeted out, um, the Lions extended one-year deal uh, with Lucky Whitehead. Uh, Neil McAvoy is now turning his attention to, to Brian Burnham. But he also says that he should know in a month or so about the future of Michael Riley. And I know you wanted to talk about uh, Nathan Rourke. And I said it earlier, we have a group chat with everyone where I don't see Riley being in BC to start the year one way or another. He's either retired or they move on from him. And I think it leads in perfectly for, for our discussion with work and, you know, where is he and where can he go in 2022? Yeah. Uh, the, the Michael Riley stuff is tough because I think, I don't think he necessarily is done with football. I think, I think he still has a lot of game left in him. I question if his elbow has a lot of game left in it. And that's the tough thing. Like we saw him last year. He just wasn't the same guy and it just, he couldn't get it to work for him. But when he did, he had a couple of games where you're just like, that's the Michael Riley. Everybody knows like that is the guy that we're waiting to take the BC lines over the hump. 
but he couldn't he couldn't get it done consistently. And I think ultimately, if that elbow is still bothering him this offseason, I think he'll call it quits. I, I don't think that he's I don't think he's stupid. Like I think he knows what happened last year. And I think he I don't think he'll go out there and hurt a team uh to just keep playing. But you know, Nathan Rourke, man, that that kid, I'll let I'll let you get a word in. But if you can get Nathan Rourke out there, uh, which means that you'll also likely have the money to sign Brian Burnham, could be looking at a decent BC Lions team. Yeah, and I mean, I like Rourke. I think watching him last year, he has all the the potential to be a star quarterback in this league. Um, if American bias isn't brought into the case that we see with a couple of coaches, um, he should, if Michael Riley is not in BC, Nathan work should be the starter. Uh, unless Nathan work comes in and, and blows it out and, and has a bad camp or they bring in a guy like Dane Evans and he just has a solid camp and wins that spot. I, I think we're at work is the number one guy in BC. I think he's been he's going to be the number one guy for years to come, uh, and I think this is probably the best situation for uh, the the league is having Nathan work start. Yeah, on, on the American bias front, I, I think he's already beaten it in a sense. I like he beat Will Arndt, he beat Shea Patterson, who went to Michigan. Like that, that he went to a big deal program, uh, and he came out of that. He was the second stringer, and he he built he, like let's not forget. Will Arndt is a Rick Campbell guy. Rick really liked him. He's part of the reason why he was in BC to begin with. Uh, and, you know, Rick Campbell kind of thrust him into a starting spot in Ottawa while he was there too. So, like, for Nathan Rock to come out and win that spot at a training camp, I think was – it was deserved, first of all, but I think it was also a little bit of a shock to me uh, just because I felt like he'd give that spot to Will Arndt regardless. Rourke, he just – he has the arm. He has the legs. I think he's like the he's the he's the perfect mix for a CFL quarterback. I can't see the Lions chasing a, a, a starting quarterback with Rourke as their as their future. Yeah, I mean, I I think Rourke is definitely someone who has that like hype around him where it's like he because let's be honest there hasn't been really much of a, a Canadian quarterback yeah we had Brandon Bridge but we all know how that went and, and but outside of that like O'Connor hasn't really been given a chance yeah and you know work came in he looked good the games he played so I'm, I'm very interested to see what happens with him and like the development of it but he should be the starter uh come their seat come week one but and, and if he is, this could take a Canadian quarterbacks to a whole other level. Yeah, I have a, I don't like, I think this is a little bit different than if, you know, for example, uh, a guy who went through the U sports ranks as a Canadian came up and became a star in the CFL. To me, it's, it's still a little bit different because he still went to the NCAA program and had the American college experience where I think obviously uh, you're better off, right, in, in terms of player development because you have more resources at your disposal. And, I mean, I, I think that it could help in the sense that it can show coaches that Canadians can get the job done. But I think in order to truly break that barrier, you're going to have to see a guy come up through U Sports and, you know, show that U Sports Canadian quarterbacks can play at the next level. Yeah, I mean, you have uh, you had uh, Ricardo or, or Ricard 
out of, I believe, Montreal. A couple Hugo years Richard. Ago. Yeah, Hugo Richard out of, I think, was it Montreal or Laval? Laval. Yeah, I, th- I know at one point, I think ahead of the 2020 season, Montreal was going to have three of the top university, like youth sports quarterbacks at camp ahead of the 2020 season. Yeah, and then um, none of them made the roster. Well, they didn't have a 20 season. So they all yeah. they all found. And it's just like, I think we're, uh, Hugo Richard retired. But it's like there, there are plenty of great quarterbacks in youth sports that if given the chance, like a legitimate chance to win a job, I feel like they would be able to do it over uh, some of the American guys that we have seen. Yeah, it's just tough, right? I think there's so it, – it's – the U sports players just – they do not have the same developmental resources. When you compare facilities and weight rooms and you compare the amount of time you spend at the field and just all those things, it's not that the Canadian kid is less talented because he could have infinitely more talent. It's just the kid that goes to U sports compared to the kid who goes to the NCAA – their resources are different. It's like if you put two kids, let, let's let's go with the school example. You put one kid in a school where the attention is around them and they have all of the help they could ask for, and then you put one kid in a classroom full of 50 kids, who do you think is going to get better grades? Yeah, that's true. I don't know. It's going to be very interesting to see what happens over the next, like, couple months with, with Rourke and, you know, you have other quarterbacks who are coming up for the draft and we should have the, the CFL draft in a couple of months. So it should be very interesting. I'm interested to see what happens with his brother in a couple of years as well. Yep. Uh, to see also if he, university of, or uh, university of Ohio, are they called? Yeah. I think university Ohio. of Ohio Bobcats. Yeah. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see what happens with his brother. So I, it, it could be a great time. It could really evolutionize Canadian quarterbacks. Yeah, I think I think that's the hope. I think everybody kind of wants to see him to wants to see him do well. I mean, he's like like you said, he's shown the flashes. I think there's a few too many of those moments last season where you're like, okay, this guy's this he's a rookie. Um, but also, you look at like there's a throw that he made to Brian Burnham in that game against Saskatchewan, uh, where he just kind of looped it over the defender's shoulder and right into Burnham's bread basket. So, uh, like the the kid has <laughs> some serious arm talent. He has some serious leg talent, and I I can't wait to see what he looks like when he finally develops and grows to a and, and matures a little bit, and then finally gets some consistent reps. Yeah, that's for sure. And you know, uh, I believe we have an article out that uh, from one of our writers, uh, Brian, who sat down with Ottawa native uh, Michael O'Connor. That's coming. Or Matt. Oh yeah, it's coming out. So we have we will have an article uh, coming out with O'Connor uh, in the near future. So keep an eye out for that. Um, but staying on the quarterback train, Oh, Levi Mitchell restructured his contract. He's getting a hundred K signing bonus. I believe 425 K base salary plus 60 K, uh, housing or playtime bonus. Um, do you think that he's in Calgary come training, like come the training camp in May, or do you think he'll be on the move? Let me start with you. Cause I think you might have the more interesting take. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> I, I think I still think he's gone. I okay. I I don't think he's back in Calgary, and if he is, it's his last year. Um, there is no way Calgary allows Jake Mayer to unless unless Mayer gets a chance to play, and he's absolute garbage this year. 
there's no chance in my like in my mind, I don't believe there's a chance that Mayer is out of Calgary next offseason. So it would make sense that if a team like Toronto or even Hamilton, if Hamilton loses out on Evans, if Toronto loses out on Evans, one of those teams will be calling Calgary. I also wouldn't put it past them or past BC to give Calgary a call to see what it might take to get Bo Levi in if they don't feel like Rourke is the guy to start next season, but Michael Riley is no longer playing. I wouldn't, I think BC is one of my least likely places just because of the, uh, the Nathan Rourke stuff that we just talked about. I think Winnipeg would be up there and with, with BC. Uh, I think everybody else I would kind of have on the table, but that being said, I don't think he's going anywhere before this season. Um, now that he's signed, I just find myself having more questions about what's going on with Calgary because to me, keeping both Mayer and Bo on one-year contracts just kind of feels like they don't know what direction they want to go yet. It's almost like they're they're just kind of saying, okay, we, we still want Bo, but we don't want to lose Mayer. So let's just keep them both and then deal with it next year. Yeah, see, I, I'm not convinced of that. I think you restructure Bo Levi's contract to make it a little bit more attracting trade-wise. Um, it's the same thing I, I realized why I think of Arbuckle in Edmonton, why he restructured his contract was to make it a little bit more appealing if he was going to be traded. If you wanted to move him, that contract is a little bit more appealing with the only the, the, 20, the 228K versus the 328K. It's a little bit more appealing, but I don't know. I I've seen this this play before, and it ended up with two Hall of Famers being traded. Um, and I think Calgary, like it, also depends. Like I mean, they signed Reggie Bagleton, right? They they re-signed him. We'll see who they bring back or who they get in, but I, I don't see a reason to keep Bo Levi. If you if they honestly believe that Jake Mayer can be a full time starter. And you are 100% confident in Mayer, you trade Bo Levi. If you are not confident, if you are not 100% confident in Mayer, you keep Bo Levi. That, and that's the only reason why I would keep him, is if you're not 100% confident in Mayer. But how are you going to gain confidence in him if he's not playing? That's true. Because like, uh, at it, one point, you're going to have to choose, and Bo Levi's on the wrong side of 30. And he's going to be a free agent next year, no matter if you restructured it or not. Like He's in his final year of a four-year deal. The, la- the last thing you need is to him be healthy, go on and win a great cup or, or be in a great cup and for him to win it or and walk because he's well, like, well, you already in, in regards to the future, that's not the best thing. But also if I'm Calgary and I'm saying, okay, I have one more run with Bo Levi to go get a great cup. And then I'm going to Jake Mayer and I'm losing Bo Levi for nothing. Let's say we do win that great cup. I don't, care like I, i'm happy i you i might not, I, but you have to because how are you going to sell it to fans you've been probably one of the most consistent teams you went from henry burris to drew tate to kevin glenn back to drew tate and then to bo levi that's how because i saw drew tate because drew tate couldn't stay healthy but they were all competitive they went to a great cup they lost in 2012 and it's like how because the last thing you need it's the same thing with Edmonton. The last thing you need is a dog show 
uh, of a mess in Calgary. And if, if Mayer isn't the guy and you struggle and you miss the playoffs or barely make the playoffs and Bo Levi goes to a team and, you know, dominates, that's going to hurt the Calgary fan base or the Calgary base a lot. So, so Calgary has to be then. very, very careful with this. So if you, let me ask you this then. What's the difference in that scenario if they do that this year and then all of those things happen anyway? You come out and say, because last year you struggled. The last two years you've struggled without Bo. You know, it's been pretty clear that Bo is what makes that offense move. Yep. If It's the same thing like Ottawa. You have a choice to make. You can either come out and say, okay, we're going to move on from If they move on from Bo, it's a simple case of saying, hey, Jake Mayer is a young up-and-coming quarterback. We need him to get starts. We want him to get starts. We believe that for the longevity of the franchise competitive-wise, we – Go with Jake Mayer. If we make the playoffs this year, great. If we don't, that's okay too. And then and whatever happens with Bo on that end, whatever he does with the team that you trade him to, that's fine. But I don't think you can sell the fan base on going to an unproven quarterback a year after if you were to win the Great Cup. And obviously that's a huge jump because they play games for a reason, but – you have to think of all possibilities with this situation. And even if you go to the Great Cup and lose, or you go to the West final and lose, if you have a if you are top in the West or top two in the West under Bo Levi and Bo Levi does, you know, my like leads the league in touchdowns and is an MOP candidate, and you allow him to walk because you wanna you want Jake Mayer, you're gonna have a hard time selling that to the fan base. So let's let's continue off this scenario. You know, if the season goes wrong, I think we both agree that if Bo is still on the team, then you you move on and you go to Jake Mayer, correct? Yeah. If Bo struggles again. So in this case, we I think it's important to remember that Bo Levi is going to be 32 next year, right? By the time the 2023 season comes around, he's going to be 33. He's not he's not that old, right? I think at that point you can still get another three to four years out of him at least at a high I mean, level. I'm pretty sure Burris was traded around like 32, 33. Yeah, Burris was what? Burris, Burris won a great cup at 40. Yeah. Right? So, yeah, I think he was traded around like – same thing with Ricky Ray. He was also in his like mid, almost mid-30s and when he was Ricky traded. Ricky Ray was still playing really, really well up until the point where he was forced to retire. Yeah, um, due to Calgary. Yeah, but my, my point in all of this is if you go next year and Bo turns back into Bo, to hell with Jake Mayer. Like, I'm, I'm bringing Bo back at that point. Jake Mayer can go wherever he wants. I have a 33-year-old Bo Levi Mitchell who's coming off a great season again. So, to an extent, I think that they could have moved to Mayer this offseason and went forward with him and kind of said, okay, we've run our thing with Bo. It was a down year for him. But in the same sense, if that happens again next year, then you know what next step is. Whether Mayer turns out after that or not doesn't matter because Bo is coming off a rough year. If Bo comes out and he's Bo Levi Mitchell again, that you know the gunslinger, the the dragon slayer kind of guy that we've seen him to be in the past, then you go with Bo. Huffnagel is one of those guys that it's so hard to get a read because again, people didn't think that Burst was going to be traded because he had a great year the year before. Yep. You know, same thing with Ricky Ray in Edmonton. It was kind of one of those like, wow, this actually happened. But Huffnagel is one of those guys that's just like. You know, he's five steps ahead of everybody. It's why they've been so good for so long with him in the org that it would not shock me if 
by, you know, middle of February, by Valentine's Day in, in February, Bo Levi is on another team. Yeah, I can't see it happening now, but I guess we'll uh, we'll wait and see on that front. Yeah, it's a it's going to be a waiting game. It's, you know, it depends what the return is too, obviously. Like, you got to think about it. Nick Arbuckle essentially was a return of Jordan Williams. If, if you really want to go with the roundabout way to get there, because uh, if you remember, Calgary traded that first overall pick to BC that Ottawa traded to Calgary for Arbuckle. So, yeah, like it, Jordan Williams was the return in a roundabout sense for Arbuckle. But that's a, that's kind of one of those ones where the draft is so uncertain that I don't know if it's really a wise thing to do to make a trade like that for Bo, uh, if if you know what I mean. Like, I mean, it's hit or miss sometimes. And I think so Jordan it was Williams actually uh, so it was Isaac Adam Berglund who was the pick from uh, Calgary that year. Yes, but Ottawa traded the first round pick or the first overall. True, pick but Calgary, Calgary got got. Eddie Emmy Berglund for, you know, yeah. Derek Arbuckle, which I'll take that. Yeah. But uh, I mean, the pick Ottawa did give up was the first overall pick. That's yeah. what I'm trying to get at. Which was Jordan Williams, who. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, he was phenomenal this year. Yeah. But I mean, I also, there, there was so much wrong with this between, between that. <laughs> he could have been in Ottawa, but Rick Campbell was like, nah, wait a year. Part of me feels like he did that because he knew he wouldn't be in Ottawa next year. Like I don't think so. Year. I don't think so. I don't. I, I don't think he could have ever predicted. I don't know, man. I don't know, the, man. That, that's it's it, it. It's a. It raises some flags for me. That's all. It just you tell I, this guy that like, oh, if you wait a year, you you're draft eligible versus signing him and make like. Why would you not just like if you wanted to be competitive, would you not want someone even if he's an American? or an American, even though he has Canadian eligibility. Do you think he was as polished as he was? He didn't play. He literally sat on his ass all Like, he didn't play that season. Like, I don't – I I just – I don't think it was anything suspicious. I like, think it was just one of those things where I don't, think, wasn't I don't think Williams did anything that season. Like, he just – he trained, but that was it. I don't but even really, that can still get you ahead. Possibly. I don't know. I – yeah, like he didn't play that year. I don't know. It's just it, – it always kind of bugged me with that. I'm not going to lie. I That's just, a hindsight thing too, I think. Like more than anything, it's just one of those, you know – you like, knew, Well, no. If you, you go back, it, if you're the Maple Leafs, you wouldn't have traded Tuka Rask. True. If you were but the, the if same you were Edmonton, time, like, you I don't, I don't blame – I don't blame Ottawa for making that trade realistically – I don't really, I don't blame them making that trade. It's just, you knew the minute Ottawa made that trade and the fact that he was expected, like he was the number one pick on basically all the mocks and everyone had him going. And you knew that the minute that trade was made with Campbell and BC, it it was going to happen where BC would try getting the first overall pick. At least that's how I looked at it. That's just a familiarity thing. I don't think he did it to say, I'm not going to be in Ottawa next year. Because, like, at that point, in that 2019 season, I don't think Rick Campbell's job was imminently on the line before the season started. It was that season where he lost the job. Possibly. I don't know. I just, again, it always just bugged me a little bit. Um, It's just one of those things. 
Yeah, it's just it's one of those things that like it's like the, the NHL draft, the the twenty twenty NHL draft where we didn't see the the roles and they just magically landed on the twelfth <laughs> best odds for first overall. Like, just doesn't doesn't. Are you upset about right. that now? Are you still upset about that one? The draft for the Sens got Tim Stutzel and Jake no, Sanderson. I'm not upset, but I, I, it just it doesn't sit well with me. Well. Like, the it's the fact you that got they, two of the better players out of that draft, so I don't want to hear it. I'm not mad. It's just as any like as a fan, like the fact that the twelfth overall, like the twelfth best odds, you know, landed first overall. It just it doesn't sit right with any. Like it just didn't sit right with me. I wasn't mad that Ottawa got third and fifth because that's still fantastic. Still doesn't change the fact that it didn't sit well because it it just it seems sketchy. Yeah, I mean, also, I think that people kind of forget that things don't always go the way of the odds. Like, sometimes that card that gets pulled out is just the one that has the 1% chance. That's 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 just how odds work. It's just how, like, I think the, the most move-up was 11 to 3, I think it was, which was, like, Chicago when they drafted Doc. Or Philly, I think, went from four, or maybe, maybe it was Philly. Went from like 12 to second. Well, so, but I mean, I think we also often forget that in as a whole, the odds of the Senators winning the first pick in that draft was what? Something around like 20%, was it? It was like 28.3% or something Yeah, so there's still, it was more unlikely that the Senators would have won the first overall pick in that draft than it was any any other team winning it. And I think people look at the big slice and say, oh, that's a pretty big slice the Sens have. That 28%, that's pretty likely. When in reality... It's not. It's not. It's There's a very good chance that the Senators... like any oh, I'm not even, I'm not even mad that it, Ottawa didn't win it. It was just the idea... Like, it just... It, it was the fact that they didn't actually do the rollout live, but they yes. did it for the other one. Yes. Like for, for, so it's just things like that where a small things where it just seems odd. Like it just it doesn't sit well, because you're like, how can I 100 percent trust this that this wasn't, you know, fixed in any way? It's like it's like the, uh, the, the one they, didn't they do ping pong balls that year and like the air blower thing? Because I distinctly remember well, the guy pulling out the Rangers ball only for that second draft. For the first draft, Daly oh, came out with the cards and would just flip right. them, and everyone was mad. Like, why aren't you? Because it was all advertised like it was going to be live, right. and, and and the the it would have been seen on live TV, and they're like, hey, "Nope, we got the cards. It's already a predetermined outcome," and people were pissed about it. And it's That's like, right. I remember how close the Leafs were to hitting it. Yeah, and then Rangers popped out. How did we get and, here? Uh, talking about the draft and uh, Bo Levi being traded. This um, is not connected whatsoever. What the hell? <laughs> Uh, oh, it's because we were talking about the, the Nick Arbuckle trade for draft picks and how I thought or how I think that the the whole Williams to to BC was kind of, you know, doesn't sit well with me. And that's how we got here. <laughs> Jesus, we took the roundabout way to get. I don't like I don't know. We, we went we went for a straight line road and I think we turned left 11 times. Yeah, we should have taken a right at Albuquerque. Yeah, there uh, we go. That one. But back to the original point. Bo Levi Mitchell, if he's in Calgary, that's great. But I feel like there's going to be a team that's going to come calling. A team like Toronto or Hamilton, 
even Ottawa could be one of those teams uh, that is straight out like, hey, what would it take to get Bo Levi out of Calgary? Yeah, I don't know. I I, I think if anything happens, I think it's a deadline kind of thing. Like Possibly. later in the season, say, I don't know. Let's let's go out. Let's let's go wild. What happens if Zach Kouros gets hurt, and Winnipeg is still doing well, and they're like, oh, we need a quarterback. Does that happen? Does Saskatchewan get into next season and go, Cody Fajardo is not cutting it. We need a quarterback. Does like you know anything can happen? Wait. I think they'll wait at that point. I but I think that is more likely one of those scenarios or See, you know somebody else. Thing. I don't even know if Saskatchewan sent him Cody Fajardo. He signed. I mean, I know he signed. He signed through the end of this year. No, he, he still has a contract. He he has another at least another year on his contract. Yeah, he signed through. Isn't he just signed through twenty twenty two? I don't know what it is, but I know he has a contract for next season. Yeah. He, I think he, he restructured it during the lot, like after the lockout, but it said the same thing with Vernon Adams where he like restructured yeah. his deal. Um, but I think he only signed a two year deal ahead of the 2022 season and then extended it one year to 2022. So I think he's a free agent after this year. Like, yeah. a, like he'll, he's a 24 or 23 free agent. So I don't know if I don't think Saskatchewan sold on Fajardo. Okay, let's let's leave that one hanging because that's a next off-season topic, uh, and we still have Winnipeg to touch on. We still yeah. have Hampton to touch on, Montreal to touch on. Uh, so um, a lot of teams. Yeah, I know. Yeah, this is what let's, happens. We just start rambling. Let's um, let's let's go to let's look at, take a look at Winnipeg quick too because they just announced that both Willie Jefferson and Jackson Jeffcoat were signed. Uh, they also signed Marcus Hardrick. Yeah. And like Co- uh, Kolo, uh, Kolonkowski, Chris Kolonkowski. Kolonkowski. That a, that's a free agent signing. Uh, I don't think so. Pretty sure he was with them last year. Was he like either way they've, they brought back some really good players. I'm actually rather shocked that they got both Jefferson and Jeff Coat. I didn't necessarily think that they'd be able to get them both back. Uh, and I believe Jeff Cote even said that he left a little bit of money on the table uh, and he was planning on testing for agency, but uh, you know, they, they convinced him to come back, left some money on the table and uh, made that happen. I think I mean, Hardrick also win, left some money on the table. When you win, uh, when you win back to back great cups, it's kind of hard not to. It is. But at the same time, we're talking about, like I think it would be easier, say, if you're in the NFL and you're making, you know, six million dollars a year per se. Give that as a number. If somebody said, okay, if you take five point five to stay here, or you can get six on the open market, rather than if I'm making a hundred and fifty, two hundred's a big deal. That's a, that's a lot of extra money. Yeah, but I mean, if you're let, let's for example, you have a chance to tr- like go back to back to back with Winnipeg. That's true. It, right? it's, it's, it's all like, it, the situation that they're in. It, it makes sense. It depends what you what you value. If if you're making a salary that you're comfortable making, and you know you can come home and you can make sure that your family has food on the table and they have a, a house to live in, and you know you have all the things that you need, I don't think it's it's a big deal to take that pay cut. There's guys who certainly aren't going to be in that position to be able to do that. They're going to have to go out elsewhere and, and get what they can. Uh, but for the guys who do think that legacy is important and loyalty is important, you can't fault them for, you know, leaving 
ten to twenty thousand dollars on the table to to stay in Winnipeg. Yeah, and I'm curious on if uh, if Willie, because if w- Willie Jefferson took less money to stay in Winnipeg, well, you knew that you know that it's the right decision for Jeff. He's the highest paid defensive player in the CFL now. That means nothing. It could have been a pay cut, even still. Like he's he's still, <laughs> like, he's worth a lot of money, but he he is still like they Winnipeg paid him. Oh, 100 percent. But would there have been a team that paid him more? Probably. Probably. Um, you know, it's just it's one of those things where yeah, he's still making high money, but could he have been making more money somewhere else? Probably. It's helpful too that like we've seen the quarterback dollar value. Like remember a couple of off seasons ago, Michael Riley got that eight hundred thousand dollar year contract. That yeah. was that was so priced out that like it was hurting the veterans. You remember when we had this problem? The veteran yep. players couldn't get signed because of the new veterans minimum. Yep, uh, and, and uh, that was the large reason why Derek Dennis didn't have a contract. Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, you're seeing it recorrect itself with the Bo Levi yep. reconstruction. So, but there's there's more money to go around now, uh, and it's helping those players who, you know, maybe would have been kind of stiffed. Like, who knows if if we were still paying quarterbacks seven hundred thousand dollars a year, would they have been able to bring those two back? Probably not, because Zach Claros would be right up there among the top. But like that, the Winnipeg situation, I think, is going to very quickly get interesting. I think we're still going to see a Zach Claros signing. Uh, I I can't imagine that not happening. I think we're still going to see, you know, one of the running backs come back, uh, whether it's Andrew Harris, Johnny Augustine, or uh, why am I blanking? Brady or uh, Oliveria. Yeah, I think we'll still see one of the receivers get done. They're still going to have some offensive linemen to get done. I'm really, I'm really curious about that offensive line with yeah. Stanley Bryant, Michael Couture, Drew, uh, Drew uh, Desjardins. Yeah, he he's most likely not back in the CFL next year. Uh, yeah, uh, he least, was dominant but, this year. I can't yeah. see why he wouldn't be in the NFL. Um, at least he won't be. Uh, he'll he'll go through training camp and whatnot. But at that point, I'm not sure. And then you know, Patrick Newfeld. So again, you know, who knows with that? Um, you know, they also lost uh, DeAndre Alford, who signed with Atlanta today. So that's another big hit. There's talk that, you know, they Winston, have defensive backs to spare, though. Like, yeah. They have Winston Rose, who was one of the better defensive backs in the league in 19. And now he was just kind of chilling there. He wasn't doing much in Winnipeg. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with him. A lot of a lot of big names in free agency, but moving on to uh, to Hamilton, another team that really hasn't done much. I'm I'm kind of worried that you're going to see a lot of these Hamilton players kind of test free agency. Yeah, the reason I want to talk about this one too, because I I see I'm in a Facebook group for all of these teams, so I kind of have a general idea of what the fan bases are talking about, uh, and that's you know, one of the things I love about it, but Hamilton fans seem very concerned to me. I, I think there's like every day there's like a, uh, why are we not doing anything post? Like, when are we going to start signing some guys? Everyone else is doing it. Why aren't we? And I don't necessarily agree with the, everyone else is doing it because Montreal is not really doing the whole they got lot Adams of time. And Lewis. Yeah. Th- like they've well, done they some things. Um, They've got some things done, but not a ton. Winnipeg was in the same boat up until a couple days ago. You know, Toronto's got a couple of things done, but not a whole lot. Um, 
Calgary hasn't done a whole, like there's still teams who haven't done a whole lot, but I think the real sticking point is that Hamilton has done nothing. Like nobody from Hamilton has been re-signed yet. There's a lot of guys to get to. Uh, and it kind of reminds me, like, do you remember the feeling in the 2019 off season that we had here in Ottawa, just kind of waiting, like, okay, we got all these big names. Like when's Trevor Harris going to get a contract, William Powell, Greg Ellingson, like, are these guys going to get one? And then it, co- it goes up right up to the last week. And you're like, we have nobody. Like, w- what is going on? And then, uh, you know, they get the free agency and you're like, okay, there's still a chance. But, uh, I mean, as we know, when players go to free agency now and you are the team who had them before, you know, odds are they're not coming back. Yeah. And, you know what? I, I look at this team and, you know, I – my, my thing with this is that you go to two great cups, you lose two great cups. You, you, yeah, Steinhauer is a great coach and he's back. And, you know, that's a huge selling point of like, oh my God, I get to be with this coach that I really like because you hear nothing but good things out of Hamilton about Steinhauer. But at the same time, you have to look at it logistically. Like, you know, Evans, like, I'm curious on how much it hurt Hamilton with a lot of the other players when. You know, Evans straight out said that he's hitting free agency. He basically he basically said it. He owes it to himself to test free agency. And I'm curious on how much that affected everyone else because if the your starting quarterback isn't committed to the team, it's hard to stake. Like it's you look at yourself in the mirror and you're like, why would I want to be here if you know, Mike the quarterback, the 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 starting quarterback doesn't isn't sure if he wants to be here and the fact that don jackson has come out and said that oh i want to be here and still hasn't signed there there's definitely things brewing in the background that like we're not seeing and i don't know if it's good or bad and we could see things happen because realistically this jacob ruby signing came out of left field um so who knows maybe hey we can wake up tomorrow uh tomorrow morning on uh on tuesday morning and they could have five guys signed. Yeah. Well, I, I think that Jacob Ruby thing has to have Hamilton alarmed, right? Like, do 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 you feel the same about me with me on that one? To because a certain extent. To me, I think the Red Blacks signing Jacob Ruby is a clear indication to me that they're not just gonna sit back and kind of spectate and sign some lesser like. Jacob Ruby's repute, they knew when they signed Jacob Ruby, they would get backlash, right? That was, that's a fact. When you sign a guy who did what he, what Jacob Ruby did, you're going to get backlash. Typically in the past, the Red Blacks have stayed out of this kind of stuff. They won't sign a player who does stuff like this uh, and they just stay out of it. This to me is a clear signal that they're like, to with it. We're building a good football team here. We're going to, we're going to do everything we can to build a good football team. And if I'm Hamilton, I'm looking at that and I see Sean Burke, a guy that, you know, we've had in our organization for a who long time, who players will be familiar with. Yeah. Who helped bring in a lot of the guys that are free agents. Yeah. And I see guys that have been key parts of my team for years. You know, Brandon Revenberg, Dylan Wynn is there, I believe. Yeah. Uh, Simone Lawrence. Like, is if I'm, if I'm Hamilton, I'm kind of relieved that they signed Ruby unless they want Ruby playing center. And then they could sign running. But she said he could. Uh, I mean, that's a, Ruby in the press conference today said 
I can play all five positions on the offensive line, and I will play wherever they need me to play. Yeah, like I, he's more of a guard than a tackle. Like I don't, I don't think he'll see time as a tackle. No, but I think but he'll be on the interior somewhere. Whether if, that's if left guard, center, right guard, or center. You know, if he's your center, you can bring, you can put Cordy at your left guard, your right guard. You can bring in Revenberg as your left guard. Um, but like, if I'm looking at, if I'm Hamilton, my biggest fear is, is losing linemen to Ottawa. Cause if they yeah. like, I'm not worried about losing, you know, my linebackers like Simone Lawrence or Santos Knox, or even today, like your corners and like Tunde Adelike or Frankie Williams. I'm worried about Ja'Gary Davis, Dylan Wynn, Ted Laurent, and then Revenberg, Van Zyl, and Okafor. Those are the six players that if I'm Hamilton, I am worried about being in Ottawa. I'm, I, I'd just be worried about losing those players, period. But I think that it's also, like, I, I think to this point in the CFL, like, when since we hit, Ottawa has come into the league, they've tried to build the Ottawa-Montreal rivalry, right? To, to kind of, like, not have, to give Montreal a natural rival, since we've kind of seen the Hamilton-Toronto thing. Uh, just, you know, work. But Ottawa's biggest rival is Hamilton. I, I think we, anybody who has watched this team for an extended period of time knows that Ottawa and Hamilton met in the East final so many times now. And every time they play each other, it's an intense game. Yeah. And I mean, um, it's just unfortunate you know, that they ended seen, up in those situations for instead of it being against Montreal. Yeah. We've seen, though, to my point really is that Toronto still looks pretty good. Uh, what whatever they do at quarterback, I think is going to be interesting. But if they get a good quarterback, they are going to be good. Montreal is also a good team, and they're going to be healthy this year with Vernon Adams. They're going to be good. If Hamilton's not careful, they very well could be. And this is this is putting Ottawa on a big jump. Let's say if they have a good off season, Hamilton could be fourth place in the East if they don't make this work. Yeah, they could be in a very similar situation to Ottawa in 2019. Yeah, hundred percent. It's going to be very interesting to see. Uh, Hamilton has a lot of work cut out, but again, it is the CFL contracts can be done in a day. They can kind of just pop out of nowhere. You don't even expect it to happen. And then damn, there's like five of them done. Uh, so there is still, you know, just under a month left until free agency. So they they, they still have time. So Hamilton fans, you don't have to be overly alarmed because you still have time, but I would still be concerned. I would still kind of in the, like be cautiously optimistic uh, but going into Montreal, who have done some things, you know, they they re they brought they re uh, signed uh, Lewis and uh, Vernon Adams. They let Trevor Harris go. They, you know, there's there's still guys on that on that free agency list that I'm kind of nervous won't be like they might let walk. But overall, I feel like Montreal's in a pretty good situation. They, especially yeah. with who they brought in in the upper management side of things. Yeah. And to me, I think the Montreal situation and the Hamilton situation, although neither have done a bunch, I think Montreal's done a little bit more, A, and B, Montreal knows who their quarterback is going to be next year. That's yeah. the big one. So if I'm at, like, let's, if I'm breaking the panic button and pushing it, the glass on the panic, I got to break it, I got to push the panic button. If I'm Montreal, the hammer to break it, it's still attached to the wall. You know, I'm just kind of sitting beside it. Uh, I'm not too concerned. If I'm Hamilton, I'm maybe I'm starting to grab the hammer, getting prepared to break the glass and push the button. Yeah, I mean in Montreal, like does my, does my metaphor name, make any sense? Yeah, I mean if I'm Montreal, my biggest free agency is Jack Winicky. You know, 
Yeah, you have Mario Alford Jake, Jake and and BJ Cunningham, but uh, Jake Winicky is probably your biggest free agent right now. Uh, you know, you have Tony Washington in there as well. Woody Barron and Michael Wayfield are also in there, but you look at this free, like this free agency class. I mean, yeah, you can add in Patrick levels, but I look at who, who's the pre, like expected free agency. I'm not overly worried. A lot of those guys are probably replaceable yeah. with other free agents from other teams. So if I'm Montreal, I'm like, yeah, okay, we haven't done a lot of things, but there's really not much to do. Yeah, you want to see Tony Washington brought back. Uh, you want to see Jack Winicky, but you know, it just a matter of time with these guys. A lot of them have been in the league for a while. They deserve to test for agency, see where their value's at. Uh, but I think the biggest two was Vernon Adams and uh, Lewis, and they got both done. Well, that's the thing with them too. Like you just look at their offense, and you've got. Your offensive line is still relatively intact. You still have Vernon Adams. You still have William Stanbeck. You still have uh, Eugene Lewis. So, like, you still have the nucleus of the team there. And then if you if you, if you you can't bring back any receivers, you still have the R.J. Harris, the Nate Bahar, the Anthony Coombs, the Drew Wolitarski. Like, there's still going to be guys. I know I named a lot of Red Blacks, but those are the guys off the top of my head who I know of. Um, <laughs> but, like, you're, you're still going to have guys that are available. So I'm not really concerned about Montreal, even though they are kind of doing – little um you know i think that team is a team on the rise i'm very confident with what they are going to do and i don't know why because like realistically montreal's not the organization who has been bringing in the good players and putting together good teams consistently this is only a recent thing for them whereas hamilton we've kind of seen it for a little while now where they've been putting together good teams but for whatever reason i'm more confident that montreal will figure it out yeah, and I mean, you look at who Montreal brought back in. They brought in Anthony Calvillo. They've kept Kahari Jones, which I think is a huge thing for that team. You know, there were, there was questions on if he would be, you know, let go or, or whatnot. I think having him back for another year is great. Uh, so overall, I think Montreal's in a great position. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. So, uh, but with that being said, I think that wraps up our CFL segment of uh, the 13th man sports don't believe we have anything else. and we talked about somebody else more than the red blacks this time it's unbelievable <laughs> we'd never do that i know it's usually all red blacks because we we're that. from ottawa and that's kind of how it goes but either way um a quick recap of the the first almost hour of this show uh ac leonard is brought in has re-signed a two-year deal with saskatchewan jacob ruby signs a two-year deal with um, the Ottawa Red Blacks, and then Lucky Whitehead signs a one-year deal with the BC Lions. And then we talk, go through uh, Nathan Rourke, uh, and then Hamilton, Winnipeg, Bo Levi. So gone. thank you for listening to that part. We will be right back uh, after a short break with some NFL talk, some NHL talk, and a little bit of everything else. So we'll be right back. And we are back. Thank you, everyone, who has tuned in for the first part of our CFL chat. Now we're moving on to some NFL stuff. It was a wild weekend uh, of Week 18. Um, I know we haven't really talked much about the NFL because I, I think both of us have kind of stopped watching it consistently. Um, I still watch the Bills, but, like, I don't know. I, with the 67s back, man, it's been tough because we got a lot of Sunday games. And I'm yeah. typically at the rank covering the, the 67s when the Bills Yeah, I'm usually working on Sunday, so I just haven't had a chance to to really pay attention and watch many games. But Week 18 had Go a Bills. bunch of playoff implications. Uh, 
I think the biggest one was the AFC wildcard. Um, yeah. A, a lot like uh, the AL wildcard in baseball that went down to the final day of the regular season. Uh, the NFC, the AFC wildcard did the same. And honestly, the, for the dominoes to drop in this is ridiculous. You need, you need the Indianapolis Colts to lose to the Jacksonville Jaguars. You need the Pittsburgh Steelers to win against Baltimore. And then you need a, uh, either the Chargers or the Raiders to win for the Steelers to have a chance. Yeah. A tie against the Raiders and the Chargers would have eliminated Pittsburgh and an Indianapolis win would have clinched Indianapolis a chance in the uh, a playoff spot, eliminated Pittsburgh and either put the Chargers and the Raiders out of the playoff spot. And to add that in, the Baltimore Ravens still had a chance to make the playoffs as well. They needed a win over uh, Pittsburgh, a uh, loss to uh, Indianapolis, and a loss of a Miami loss. Uh, and through all together. of that, there was still a chance that the Patriots won the AFC East. Yep. With a Bills loss and a win against Miami. Which they didn't do. Nope. And uh, people are still calling the Patriots the Super Bowl, chan- uh, Super Bowl favorites. By the way, wake up. Okay, the Patriots are not good. And if the Bills lose to them next week, I'm going to cry. Yeah, so it's going to be very interesting. Like, the, like I, as a Steelers fan, we all know that I'm a Steelers fan. I was not expecting to make the playoffs this year. I think you can ask anybody. I was like, okay, this is Big Ben. Hopefully Big Ben's last year. I just don't see us being good enough. You know, the Browns have taken steps forward. The, the Bengals have taken steps forward. The Colts have moved up. Tennessee's still great. K, uh, KC still dominate. Chargers were going to make a move, right? Like that AFC West. Realistically, all four teams in the AFC West were ahead of Pittsburgh in my mind in terms of playoffs. Um, I just didn't see it happening. And I'm like, okay, they're eight, seven, and one. They can still make the playoffs. The but you need Indianapolis to lose to Jacksonville. <laughs> and I'm like, that, that's not happening. Like that, that, that can't happen. It's Jacksonville. You should, this should be an easy, a cakewalk like, for Indianapolis. It should have been, but Jacksonville, they won three games this year, correct? Yeah, that was their third win, and they still got the first overall pick. Yeah, um, but their two of the three wins came one against the Colts, obviously, who, for what it's worth, I think were one of the better teams in the second half of the season in the league. Uh, Jonathan Taylor was on an unbelievable pace. And who else did they beat, Shane? Oh, my Buffalo Bills. Like, the teams that they beat were – they have wins over good football teams. It just doesn't make any sense. Yeah, they beat the Dolphins and then the Bills. Who The Dolphins as well went on a seven-game win streak at one point. Like, I think – and th- this is literally a week after getting blown out by the Patriots 50-10. to 10. Yeah. And then they – and I think – like it's not like the Colts just lost to the, the, the Jags. They got their – ass handed to them they lost by 15 to the Jags you got like if they were if they were lost like 26 to 23 okay whatever Carson Wentz was absolute dog trash during this game like absolutely brutal uh it's just it's just he was sacked six times losing to the Jaguars yeah As as a Bills fan losing to the Jaguars when they did that was bad I can't imagine 
what people in Indianapolis are feeling right now. When you lose to a team that has the first overall pick and it eliminates you from the playoffs, there's simply no excuse to not be ready for that game. Yeah, I, I just – like, I honestly, I was like, okay, what are the chances – like, I I was talking to my dad. I'm like, okay, this is the Pittsburgh playoff scenario. No way it happens. And then Indianapolis loses. The Pittsburgh game goes to overtime. Uh, and then the Raiders, the, the Sunday night you game. You must have been shitting your pants. See, I wasn't. Because I was like, all right, cool. If Pittsburgh doesn't make the playoffs, that's fine. Because I like the Chargers. And I like the Raiders. I've I've, always, I've been a fan or a, a fan. I've watched them. I, I mean, I love Derek Carr. Every time he, his name pops up, like, Raiders should trade Derek Carr. I'm like, to Pittsburgh. That's where they should trade him to. Um, I would have been happy with those teams, teams in the playoffs. Not even going to lie. Justin Herbert has a great year. That like both LA and Las Vegas, I would have been okay if they tied and went to the playoffs. Not the even Chargers don't deserve Justin Herbert. Uh, they, like I'm not even going to lie. The Chargers don't deserve him. But I think back to the Colts real quick. They gave up a first round pick for Carson Wentz. The Eagles made the playoffs. The Colts yep. didn't. It it's it's weird though. Because Carson Wentz was like we there was memes about the Church of Wentz. Like this guy was a god in Philly for a little while. And then here he is, he gets hurt, Nick Foles comes in, they win a Super Bowl, and then he sucks. I, I don't I don't understand. Like he wasn't good when he left Philly. I don't think he was good when the Colts got him. And I remember saying, like, they're not gonna win with Carson Wentz. And I think it's too late for them to realize that now. Here's the thing with like the one thing that Carson Wentz and I and I argue this is the same thing that I had with Trevor Harris. They used to run. If you watch Trevor Harris, you know, pre 2016, he would he would scramble, he would run, he would he had the the desire and the the ability to run for a force first down. Yeah, you watch Carson Wentz pre knee injury and then watch him post knee injury. He is more of a pocket passer than he was now. Like he is now than he was back then. Carson Wentz is playing scared. Carson Wentz is scared of re-injuring his knee. He is not playing to his play style. He is not playing to his abilities because he is worried about re-injuring his knee. So he either needs to get over <laughs> that or he needs to retire. And I think, you saw that with with Andrew Luck, where he realized that, like, with my injury, like, I can't play the way I need to play to win. I'm not going to be the same, so I'm going to retire. Would that team have been a possible Super Bowl contender with Andrew Luck? 100%. Yeah. Like, there was a – so Andrew Luck – so at this time when we're recording, it's the uh, NCAA championship between Alabama and Georgia – and both Andrew Luck and RG3 are both there. They're they're both so part of their weird. My That's one weird. of my biggest what ifs of the last like decade is RG3 and Andrew Luck not getting hurt. Where they would be, where their respected teams would be if both of them were healthy. Do you know what my biggest what if is? What? There were rumors that the Indianapolis Colts were in on Tom Brady. What if the Indianapolis Colts went all in on Tom Brady instead of getting Phillip Rivers. That would have been huge. Dude, like, are we seriously looking like last year, that Colts team, 
nearly went and beat the Bills in Buffalo with Phillip Rivers. Yeah. If they had Tom Brady, that's a Super Bowl team. I'm yeah, I'm almost I'm 100% convinced that if Tom Brady was on the Colts this year and last, they'd have two Super Bowls. They would win the they would win their division easily. Yeah, and I, I like that team I think is better in entirely outside of quarterback. I think if like if you go one to one against the Chiefs and take Mahomes and Wentz out of it, I think that's a pretty close match. The, the the Casey's defense isn't good. I'm not yeah. even gonna lie. I'm not a fan. I don't think their defense is good enough. It's just Mahomes is that much like yeah. that good that's to cover for the mistakes. That's what I'm saying. Like if you put Brady in Indianapolis, don't tell me they can't beat the Chiefs. Oh, don't tell yeah, me easily. they can't beat anybody that's put in their way. That like. Tom Brady's why the, the put the Buccaneers over the top. And I think he would have done the same in Indianapolis. And I think that is my biggest what if. If they went after Tom Brady instead of settling for Phillip Rivers, what would have happened? Yeah, I mean, in recent history, yeah. I mean, if you were to ask me what the biggest what if is over the last, like, three years, yeah, that would be it. But I think if you were to ask me, you know, over the last decade, RG3, Andrew Luck retiring early – because of injury we can think of a whole lot of them what if the browns took josh allen first overall they'd still be trash that's probably true josh <laughs> allen would probably be trash too probably which is a would be a crying shame what if like, the giants would have taken a quarterback instead of barkley yeah they'd still be trash probably because i don't think daniel jones is the problem in new york who run and okay I'm gonna I'm gonna just mention this. Who the hell runs a QB sneak on third and nine <laughs> in your own red zone? I, I knew you'd bring it up. I, I, I just knew you'd bring it up. the amount of okay. I do not want to hear a single person talk shit about how the CFL game is trash. You you had two QB sneak on QB sneak nine. on a third and nine in your own damn red zone. Why? Why? No reason. I, I saw for people it. say um, to give room then, to your punter. What difference does one yard make? I don't know. It, At that point, run a QB draw. You yeah. have to put like, or you know, off hand, it off, hand it off to your fullback. It's the same thing effectively, yeah. except there's actually a crying chance that you might accidentally pick up 10 yards. Yeah. Just, <laughs> QB why, why? I'm gonna... And then the other bonehead move, and this costs the Chargers the game. Yes. They're not the Chargers, the, the Rams. They had 64 total rushing yards. And they're like, hey, we're going to just run the ball four times and try to get a first down, even though we only have like 50-some yards ahead of this drive, before this drive. Well, that, guess wasn't, what they that wasn't the only boneheaded thing by a ran, uh, an L.A. team. No. How about the timeout the Chargers called? with a, Like, the Raiders were playing for the tie. I, I'm fully Which is convinced stupid. they were. Which is 100 stupid. I, Why would yeah, you play for the tie? You know what? They would go to the playoffs that way. It, it, I don't it, care. I'll take the field goal. Give me, I, I think give, to feel yes, but at that time you have to remember they're not in field goal range at that time. I think no, what they would have done is run down the clock. Yes. And tried one more play. They, give what? They, they absolutely could have. They absolutely could have. However, if the Chargers would have gotten a stop on that play, odds are the clock would have been run down to what? About under about five seconds, we'll say? Probably. The Raiders then don't have time to run another play. Possibly, but I'd take my chances. But okay, as the Chargers though, what exactly? Like, there's there's no scenario where calling a timeout is beneficial to you. I agree, but if I may the Raiders, as well make them call the timeouts. That's what I'm saying. If I'm the Raiders, I would have taken a timeout. 
Yeah, I would have gone for the win. That's fair. That's that's absolutely fair. If the Raiders would have done that, yes. However, uh, yeah, the Chargers I doing why it. The Chargers did it. The the Chargers calling that timeout is like, it, it's the most the only hope they had to make the playoffs was a tie, and they are effectively the reason why that didn't happen. Yeah, and unless unless they thought that they were going to pass it and they didn't have the right formation out and they didn't. But even then, I'd rather give up a big play than call a timeout. No, because if you give up a big play, okay, you get like, I w- I think my issue is that they they called a timeout and then they didn't sell out for the run. They had a dime package. They they brought in an extra DB instead of an extra linebacker. They sold out. They didn't sell out to stop the run that everyone knew was going to happen. It would have made sense yep. if you sold out to stop the run and they got burned by a pass. That would have been understandable. But realistically, the Raiders yep. shouldn't have been playing uh, for I the just... tie. Like the fact that the well, I mean, they shouldn't. Only the Steelers fans were cheering for that to not happen. Why would they've lost twice to the Chiefs? If I'm a Raiders fan, I'm cheering for a win. I don't want to face the Chiefs in the first round. Get I I feel more confident beating the Bengals than I do the Chiefs. So why would I want to tie? A tie just puts us like. like, why would I want that? Why would I want to go against the Chiefs when I can go against the Bengals? The tie just puts me against the Chiefs. You got to think though that that Bengals team is not. A pushover. They beat the Chiefs. Like they went toe to toe with the Kansas City Chiefs and kicked their ass. But I feel more confident playing against the Bengals than I do against a team that I've lost to twice. Could be. I mean, I think realistically, if you do beat the Bengals, you play you play the Titans. So you don't even play the Chiefs. Winning against the Raiders or for, for the Raiders literally put them in a position not to play the Chiefs until the AFC championship game at the earliest. Yeah, I, I like obviously you want to win. I just I think that the Raiders had gone conservative, and the Chargers had gone stupid. Is ultimately the, the way to, to think, describe how that I game th- ended. A hundred percent. But here, it, my my thinking is okay. If they if they go for a tie and they tie it, yep. And the Raiders lose to the Chiefs next week, and the Chargers beat the Bengals then the Raiders are dumb. They're just as bad as, as the Chargers. They're just as stupid as that play call. Yeah, I mean, but, you know, the, the risk is if you run a play and and somebody fumbles or the kick gets blocked and it gets run back. like At least you try going There's just the risk. Way. And I – yeah, I know, but at the same – on the same token, I, I don't know if it's worth – potentially risking a playoff spot to pick your opponent. It, it, like, I think there's pros and cons both ways, but I've always had the mindset of picking your opponent is a dangerous ta- is, a, is a dangerous thing to do. That's why every time somebody brings up the, the pick your poison playoff bracket where the number one seed gets to pick who they play and then the two gets to pick and the three gets to pick, I if I'm if I'm the one, I'm taking the eight every time. I'm not picking somebody else. I'm taking the eight. Just give me who's there. Yeah, that, that's fair. But I mean, if you have a chance to better yourself and put yourself in a better position to to be successful, you should 100% take it. I agree. Right? I, I, but I mean, on the same token, the Chargers decided not to. They decided to do the opposite of what would help them. Yeah. Well, no one accused the Chargers of being smart. <laughs> no. But I just, there was a lot of boneheaded plays. 
Yeah, that's like the Chargers going forward on fourth down in their own end. Can, so okay, here's the, here's the thing I want to mention. Right, we're both CFL guys. What would the reaction be like among people who generally like to put the CFL down and say that the football is bad quality? If I don't know, somebody called a timeout in the middle of the game where all they had to do was not call one to potentially make the playoffs. What would the reaction be? Or if somebody went for it on third down from their own five yard line and didn't get it and ended up losing the oh, game, people, it would be a laugh. What would the reaction people be? Would laugh the hell out of it. They they'd be calling it exactly. bush league. They call it big so, league. Like they, it, it would be horrible. Yeah, I, I just like this is the the exact examples that I think we can point to and say when people say that you know these mistakes don't. This is a CFL quality mistake, and this is why they're in the CFL. Well, I don't know. Let's have a look at the NFL here and oh, look. There you go. There's a. Like I, I said it. Guy I said it plenty of times. Work. I said it plenty of times. All the extra down does is protect. It, it covers the the lack of play calling. the The play calling in both leagues is atrocious, um, and it just covers it covers it. That, that's all the the extra down does. It gives you a free play to to do whatever the hell you want. And it just covers the bad play calling that we see week in and week out. Yeah. I don't know, man. It's just, that was a, that was a good week of football. Like, I don't know. There was, there was a couple of terrible games on TV early. Like I didn't want to watch the Vikings and whoever they were playing and the bears. The Vikings and bears. Why does Washington, why does TSN televise these games that no one cares? Contracts. Like, no, I get that. But like, let's pick some not bad ones, you know? Yeah, like, but I mean, I guess it's also the rivalries, right? You know. But who cares? Who cares about Packers and Lions or Vikings and Bears now? None of that Vikings and Bears game meant nothing. Why are we watching it? Why I am know. I not watching Steelers and Ravens instead? I mean, I was watching Steelers and Ravens on on TSN. So I don't, know, what kind of, I don't know. TSN one or TSN five. Either way, like it's 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 not just this week. It's been other weeks too. Where I'm yeah, the, for, the the scheduling is ridiculous. I'm not even gonna lie. Like, it's not worth it. But, you know, the playoff pictures are set. We have three straight days of football between Saturday and Monday. So, uh, okay, I want to I say something about that Monday night game. If I was the team that played Monday night, I would be pissed if I had to play a rested team the week after. Yeah. Like, that is – that, to me, you've given me an ex, one extra – or one fewer day to rest my players and prepare. Why are we playing playoff games on Monday night? Yeah, I don't get it. I, I don't get it. I don't like it. I don't agree with it. It should be three on Saturday, three on Sunday. If I just That's so it. happened to go up against a team who played on Saturday, how is that fair? That they get two extra days than I do to, to prepare for this game? I don't know. I mean, it's all about money, right? But overall, I mean, it was a good NFL season. I'm excited to see the playoffs. There, there's going to be some good games. You know, I, I the Rams, Cardinals, a lot of divisional games to to kick off. You know, the the Patriots, Bills, that's going to be huge. Yeah. And then the Rams, Cardinals is is going to be big, and then Bucks, Eagles. You know, there there are going to be some very entertaining games come uh, come this weekend. So it's, it's nature of the playoffs too. Like nobody really thought that Washington Buccaneers game was going to be very very good last year. And then Taylor Heineke almost came out and beat Tom Brady. 
Yeah. You know, so like, it's just the playoffs games get amped up. And the Eagles have beaten Tom Brady before. So, you know, it, it yeah. it's going to be fun. If you're off this weekend, I mean, you're looking for some football to watch because football is football. Um, we should, you should watch it. Uh, but that being said, you know, we'll, we'll transition away from the NFL and, no, I want one more thing. I want one more thing. I want one more thing. Give me your Super Bowl prediction. Who's going? Ooh. See, selfishly, I want the Steelers in the Super Bowl, but I know that's not going to happen. I want to see Tennessee versus L.A., like the Rams. Um, that would be my ideal Super Bowl. Tennis, the Titans versus the Rams. Um, but I think it's going to be the Chiefs, Chiefs-Rams. Okay. See, I have learned – to never bet against Tom Brady. The Buccaneers are going to the Super Bowl again. And because I am delusional, it's a Bills-Buccaneers Super Bowl. Yeah, I think you're crazy. I think you've lost it. Or the Bills will probably disappoint me again. I'm delusional, I'm telling you. But I'm back in the Bills. We're going to the Super Bowl. Yeah, I can't. I can't do it. Even though I'm, if, if it snows, we're going to lose to the Patriots. It's just, if, if it snows, the Bills are losing to the Patriots. If it doesn't snow, the Bills are kicking in the crap out of the Patriots. Yeah, it's going to be real interesting. Um, I had the Steelers getting their ass handed to them by the Chiefs. Um, so, Sharon said, I don't think that's going to be a Pro- good game. <laughs> Probably. I don't, I don't see that being a close game at all. No. I, um, no. But, you know, moving on, uh, as we wrap up in our last, like, 15 minutes of the show, um, we have the NBA quick news. The Raptors are in a six-game winning streak. They're up... Uh, in the NBA standings into a playoff position, uh, which a lot of people did not think was going to happen this year. Fred Van Vliet is having an all-star caliber season. I know you haven't watched much of their game of the games this year, but they've, uh, they've been entertaining. They've been a lot of fun. Scotty Barnes is looking great. Uh, they're sitting sell- seventh. They're 20 and 17, they're six games behind, but they're only half a game behind Cleveland in six. So yeah. well, I'm not going to pretend like I've watched a ton of the games, but what I do know is that anybody who was saying Pascal Siakam sucked before the season, I mean, they should have just not said that. Like, seriously, like he's not, I, I don't think he's the, the Kawhi Leonard people thought he may be, but uh, you know, he's an integral piece to the team. It's he's slowly not. becoming Freddie's team. I think we're, we're slowly seeing Freddie become Lowry in a sense, I think. And, Siakam is not the uh, guy. It's impressive. Like Siakam's not the no, guy. He doesn't need to be though. No, but everyone wanted him to be. Everyone he thought he was be. going to be the guy, and I think that's where a lot of the problems stem from. But yeah, Van Vliet is is taking over the team, and Anobi has looked great. They've had some really good, you know, depth play. But you know that that Fred Van Vliet, Scotty Barnes, those two have really taken it up a notch this year. Um, but the the big news. The Golden State Warriors got Clay Thompson back last night. They're sitting tied yep. with the Suns for first in the West at 30 and 9. This is a team that finished in like the bottom three last year. I I would I would love to see the Warriors win another ring. They don't feel like the underdogs anymore or the 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 big dynasty that you know they were. Uh almost like to the point where uh, every time you saw them in Cleveland in the finals, it was like, okay, I don't care. I've had enough of this. Uh, but now if they went back, I'd kind of have a new like new mindset about it, almost wanting to see Curry and Clay do it again. And just to kind of show like 
You know, they never they never really went anywhere, and they, they still have it. Yeah, I think it would be really cool. Maybe they're just dealing with some injuries. Andrew Wiggins has looked great in a, in a Golden State jersey. If you haven't had a chance to watch many of their games, um, I, I think I've watched probably like 10 Golden State games so far this year. And the games I've watched, Andrew Wiggins has looked like a solid depth piece, like a, a role piece. He's not the guy in Golden State, but he fits the play style of Golden State. So it's great to see him having success. Uh, you know, the, if you haven't had a chance. too to have him for Olympic stuff. Yeah. You know, if you haven't had a chance to really watch much NBA this year, I do recommend it. It's been a lot of good basketball from the games I've watched, uh, not just Raptors games, so I do recommend it. But, you know, they're, they're doing the stupid play-in uh, again, which I hate. I don't like it. It makes no sense. It That's makes the quest the, for the almighty dollar, my friend. Yeah, it just makes this the regular season pointless in my mind. But, you know, I know we wanted to touch a little bit about the baseball um, and what's going on between the MLB and the MLBPA. And I think you said that um, before we started the show, uh, the MLB and the MLBPA are expected to meet sometime next week. Yeah, there. I believe it is. I, I'm actually just going to pull it up real quick. Uh, because they they announced that they they haven't met in a, in a good while. Yeah, I uh, heard that. It's just... It's just one of those things that's like, what? Like, you guys are in a lockout. What exactly? I understand you're locking the players out, but why wouldn't meet? You know, it just doesn't make any sense to me. Like, you're not doing any help to anybody by not meeting. You're not getting anything done. Um, so why wouldn't why wouldn't you meet? I don't know. I. Uh... I, I personally think that this has been ridiculous. I, I don't see the point of this lockout. Um, and the fact that, yeah, they haven't talked in, in months, in or a month and a half now since the lockout has started, is, is ridiculous. Yeah, so MLB and the Players Association are supposed to meet on Thursday for the first time since the lockout began on December the 1st. Yeah, so basically a month and a half between now, the time they'll be meeting and when the lockout started. That's yeah, it's, it's just that sounds like a great uh, a great confidence boost to uh, spring training starting February, like with pitchers and reporting, pitchers and catchers reporting on time on February fourteenth. Yeah, we went into depth on this last week, so if you want more of the baseball stuff, you can check out last week's episode because I don't want to go into the same stuff. Like, yeah, we crapped on the league and the players <laughs> and everything about just like how important it is to be on the field this year and. To me, that is a really disheartening thing to read, to know that they have had now, you know, a month and a half of time where they accomplished nothing. They, did, they didn't even, like, let the sides know where they stand, what they want. Yeah, and It's just, it, it's that a doesn't joke. help you get on the field. Get at the meeting table and sit down and hash it out. Yeah, well, this is a Rob Manfred-led lockout, so don't really know what else to expect at this point with him. Uh, and then another topic quickly to run over is the NHL. Uh, NHL and, OH, and the OHL lock, uh, trade deadline just happened. And there was some big, some some pretty big news within for some OHL prospects or NHL prospects in the OHL. Um, uh, another game was ju- announced postponed between the Flyers and Carolina, I believe, for tomorrow. Uh, so because of Philadelphia COVID cases, 
Ottawa has been hit hard. They've had 14 games postponed, uh, total postponed, but two of those have been rescheduled. Their latest being the Monday night game in Edmonton has been moved to Saturday. Uh, but overall, it's been a great year for the games that have been played. Anaheim has kind of taken control. It's Trevor Zegras. The, the rookie race, I know you've been focusing a lot on the OHL, so I'm not sure how much you've been following the NHL, but the rookie race between Morris Sider. I don't, I don't think Lucas I've really watched. Um, like Lucas, like yeah, this outside, rookie outside race has been centers, a lot of fun. I've watched nothing. Yeah, we like NHL has been a lot of fun. It's been a lot of it's been a lot of good hockey, but the reason why it's important is because the OHL trade deadline has just passed, and because Frankie has followed this more than I have. Take it away, Frankie. Give us what we know about ah. what's going on in the OHL. Okay, so I've actually brought up. I'm quickly going to rotate here. Uh, so I've brought up the OHL's media notes here. So uh, there was a lot of trades to get through. Um, most notably, I think, is the the Mason McTavish one, uh, where Jonathan Mealy and Alex Ferrand go back to Peterborough, and six draft picks as well go back to Peterborough, which that is a massive haul. Now, you're not going to see any first-round picks go. Uh, of course, that's because the OHL does not allow teams to trade first-round picks anymore after teams for years traded first-round picks for kids who were six. <laughs> so... Uh, the OHL had a bit of a habit of, uh, you know, trading a lot of picks for players. Like we had trades that were like 15, 16 picks going back the other way. Uh, that's not allowed anymore. Uh, but McTavish is now in Hamilton, which I think makes them obviously one of the better contenders in the East now because they have Jan Mishak as well. Like that's, it's, it's just going to be a really difficult team to beat. I think, um, Barry had a bit of a confusing trade deadline where they kind of bought, but also kind of sold. And it didn't make much sense to really anybody. Hamilton also brought in Arbor Jacaj, I believe is how you pronounce his name. They got like Naver Mutter and a bunch of draft picks uh, in return to Kitchener. And then like, you know, there was some, there's some other good ones. Uh, Chase Stillman was traded, which I think everybody is kind of upset about because the plan for Peterborough was to trade him away again to uh, London was the rumor and uh, that never happened. So <laughs> he's stuck in, uh, in Peterborough for the rest of the season, but like for OHL fans, this is an exciting time because, you know, this is when the season I think is going to really start. We're going to start to see teams separate um, Hamilton, North Bay, Kingston, Mississauga, probably atop the East. Then, you know, in the West, you've got uh, London, of course, who, Shane, I don't know if I've ever had a year in my life go by where the London Knights weren't serious Memorial Cup contenders. Yeah, they're just <laughs> um, a hockey factory. It doesn't it doesn't make any sense except um, if they're doing things that aren't supposed to be happening, which I'm not going to comment on. Um, Sault Ste. Marie is also up there in the West. Uh, and, um, you know, all in all, I think the – end of the uh the ohl season is going to be tight like guelph is up there in the west windsor's up there in the west like um even even flint is still in the mix a little bit in the west division so it's close man like there's there's a there's a lot of good teams this year uh i think this is a, a year filled with parity and you know in the whl we know 
we kind of know who's going to be there. It's going to be one of of uh, a Winnipeg or Winnipeg or Regina. Leave. No, Regina's like out of it, kinda. They're they're not doing so hot. Um, Everett, it, Winnipeg and Everett, Edmonton's also up there. They're, they're kind of like they're in this arms race. Everett is twenty three six two and two for fifty points. Uh, Winnipeg is twenty seven five two and zero with fifty six points. Edmonton is twenty four nine two and one for forty seven. And then Red Deer's kind of up there as well. And then Kamloops is a little close, but like there's like clearly the the best and then the rest in the in the dub and in the OHL I think it's a little bit closer like you might see a couple of upsets in the first round well that's good i mean i know sens fans are excited which is Tyler. odd it, it never it never happens no i mean and Tyler Boucher yeah. is in is with the 67s now. yeah that was announced today yeah so that that'll be fun hopefully we'll have something along the lines with that um so i don't know if you heard um we follow, or I follow this uh, sports lawyer on Twitter, uh, Amy Dash. Um, and apparently uh, there was a lawsuit against the Baltimore Ravens and their punter, Sam Koch, or Koch, is it Koch? When I looked it up, on, it said Koch, but it's it's K-O-C-H. Cook. I think it's Cook. Cook? I think it's Cook. I don't know. When I did it on like Google, like how to pronounce it, it, it gave me cock and I was like, that doesn't sound right, but whatever. Of course it did. That's hilarious. Google <laughs> has a good sense of humor. <laughs> Apparently this woman was suing them because she got hit by one of his pregame, like his pregame punt flew into the stands and hit her. Uh, appar- Apparently uh, she said she sued because it was intentionally recklessly and without regard to Patriots, kicked a ball into the stands. How many times have we been? Have you been in the stadium and you hear pucks, sticks, and other flying objects can cause serious injury? Yep. Um, There's a reason why. And, and she was knocked unconscious. Good uh, luck with that lawsuit, lady. Well, it got dismissed. What? <laughs> yeah. Um, Excuse me. Yep. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Did he kick an anvil at her? <laughs> I don't know, but I saw this and I just I read Holy it. Shit, it's a football. I got <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't I know. I got hit in the side of the head with a soccer ball like it's a punt. It, it didn't line drive it. It was a punt. Exactly. So like I'm reading this and what I'm like, the... what the hell? And I just I start laughing because I'm just like, this this is ridiculous. Like this can't be true, but it is. And I just I laugh. That's I, wild. Yeah. That's wild. So I figured we just end our episode with uh, with that beautiful little uh, little nippet of <laughs> uh, of NFL humor. Um, thank you all for for tuning in on this episode of the Thirteenth Man Podcast, Thirteenth Man Sports Podcast. Uh, you can find myself at uh, Shane underscore ry thirteen on Twitter, Frankie at Frankie underscore Benvo on Twitter. Where I will be I'll- losing my mind on Sunday because if it snows, I'm gonna just go not watch the game i think because i already know the outcome um so yeah you know frankie feels about that bill's uh patriots game. We're going to the super bowl shane <laughs> not if it snows if it snows we're fucked it's over um but again follow us on uh tiktok instagram twitter uh facebook 13th man sports uh give us a subscription like share the video on youtube 
Give us a five-star rating on the, on anywhere you can find the podcast. You have new episodes coming at you every Wednesday morning at 10 o'clock, so you want to put on your notifications so you do not miss one. Uh, thank you all for tuning in, and we'll catch you back here next week with a brand-new episode.